What's up, everybody? My name is Lee. Some of you guys might know me as Intuition, and you are tuned in to the 99th episode of Kinda Neat, and boy, do we have a doozy for you. We got somebody that I've been trying to get in the studio for like a couple years now, um, Dizzy Wright. He's one of probably that part of when I tell you guys like, oh, leave a five star rating and a comment about who you want to see on the show. He's probably the most requested person that we get to see on the show. And so we were finally able to link with him. And not only was it a really, really dope conversation, very open and and he's just got a real cool perspective about things, uh, but also fucking murderous performance that he did in one take in his first take. So. Yeah, fun times. I, I, I think that you guys will enjoy this one. So uh, if you guys have been following the show for a while, then you know that I am fucking prone to getting hit by other automobiles. My car always gets hit. I don't know what it is. It's just like my little sensible Civic is like a goddamn magnet for other cars. I don't know if it's because it's black or something and like people don't see it, but for some reason I always get hit. So here's the thing if you've been listening for a long time like i said last january you will know that on the way driving to my grandfather my step-grandfather's funeral on the 101 someone hit me um and and ripped off my bumper in a three-car accident yada 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 so that's that was a year ago i paid out of pocket for that because i have a big deductible in my insurance and blah 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 and there was like the other car totaled the the middle car got totaled and there was no money left over from the insurance for mine. So I had to pay out of pocket. Point is, I still haven't been reimbursed for that a year later. So the morning of Monday, I was like had a bunch of chores to do. So I go out to the store and do my thing. And then I come back from the store and I park at 1015 and I go inside and call my insurance agent. And I just go, hey, man, you know, this claim has been in subrogation for like a year now, and I still haven't seen any money back. Like, is there any way that you could call subrogation and talk to them about it and see if it can be hurried along? Because like, this is some straight bullshit. And that call was at 1030, right? And so there's two hour parking on my street. So I go out at about noon to move my car. And right, it was... I wish that I, I feel like it was karma that I made that phone call to the insurance agent because I go outside, my front end is all fucking smashed. The side panel of my driver's side is fucked up. Not my door panel, but like the one right in front of the door that goes over the the, the tire. And then my bumper had been ripped off of, uh, uh, disconnected from that. And there's just like dents and scratches everywhere. And I was just like, gee, are you fucking kidding me? And so here's the thing is that, there is construction going on across the street from my house uh, that's been going on for probably like the last six months. They they stripped this office building and they're redoing it. And um, there's scaffolding on the front and there's two guys on the scaffolding. And not only am I like pretty fucking proof positive that it had to be a construction like delivery truck or something like somebody dropping stuff off, um, but also, you know there's two guys on the scaffolding. Like they had to have seen what happened or heard what happened and looked down and know what happened. And so I go out and I'm like, holler up. I'm like, Hey, Hey, yes. That, Cause he's a construction worker. That's very well spoken. He's like, yes, kind sir. How can I help you? And I'm like, yo man, did you see any like trucks or cars smash my car? That's been parked here for two hours. Oh no, man. Well, he said, well, no kind sir. I did not see, uh, any vehicles, uh, happen to make contact with yours. And I went, Oh, okay. Thinking like, Oh, you're full of shit. And of course it's like, you know, it was somebody that had to do with that goddamn construction site. But 
nobody's going to like come forward and be like, oh yeah, man, it was our like glass delivery guy. So, you know, I call around to the insurance companies and this and that. And basically I'm fucked again. I'm going to have to come out of pocket again and for something that wasn't my fault. It was a hit and run. I fucking filed a hit and run police report and all that shit, but that doesn't do anything. And so, you know, I'm going to be out like another grand or so. Um, and that happened. And that was my Monday and it sucked. It sucked bad. Uh, but Sunday was cool because I went to Six Flag and, and rolled, rode mad roller coasters. And that was fun. It was like damn near empty. So the longest we later waited in line was like 10 minutes. And I'm still a child at heart. So roller coasters are fun. And this week, well, actually tomorrow morning, after I go to sleep tonight, tomorrow morning, I am going to go to Mammoth for the weekend. And uh, Lord knows I love my snowboarding. So... Going up there with the uh, the old Cooley family and some friends from Australia, and we're going to do some uh, little snow surfing and uh, hopefully get pitted and have some fun. If anybody's up in, well, you're not going to hear this by then because uh, by the time this comes out, I will already be back. But it doesn't matter. I'm going to have fun this weekend. I'm looking forward to it. So uh, without further ado and without any more shitty fucking car getting hit stories, uh, we're going to get into my interview with Dizzy Wright. Um, who has a record coming out. This is coming out on Wednesday, so on Friday, in two days, he has a record coming out called Wisdom and Good Vibes. Uh, and I'll have links and, and descriptions, and or links in the description of the YouTube video and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, this dude's a good rapper, and he's a good human being in general, it seems, and I had a good time talking to him. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Dizzy Wright. just be on the road all the time now like do you, have, do you have a home away from home <laughs> my home away from home bro is fucking the tour bus yeah yeah how yeah. many days a year are you touring you think right now yeah how many days are in a year 365 five ish 65 um i would say about uh fucking nowadays uh, 140 days yeah so like basically half of it yeah man that's a lot it's a lot how how do you stay sane on the road? I never figured that out. I'm not a big. I don't. I never really like touring very much. Yeah, I think uh, just a good week keeps me real uh, grounded. Right. And um, uh, good people around me. Yeah. Keeping me laughing, and uh, those type of things. What is uh? I mean, it starts to feel like the same day over and over, kind of, huh? Even though you're in a different place. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. How do you break the monotony? What do you do to? What do you do to? Uh, keep your mind occupied well i'm 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 i always remind myself that um i'm blessed to even be in these positions to be able to go to different cities Mm -hmm. meet these different people um just coming from a small community Mm -hmm. we're not even gonna talk about it being ghetto let's just talk about it being small Mm -hmm. um not a lot of people uh typical mindsets you're pretty much very aware of all the mindsets in your community Mm mm-hmm um and just being able to travel the world and see people that relate to you in a whole different environment um i don't know it just reminds me that i'm blessed and that this shit is you know um not for everybody right right uh so yeah speaking of coming from a small community man shit is going down in the place where you were born right now in flint yeah yeah bro you got family in Flint still? My grandma. Your grandma's there. Grandpa died, but my grandma's still there. Well, condolences for your grandfather. What? Uh, man, well, she lives in Flint? 
Yeah. What's up with the water crisis? Have you talked to her? Yeah, she said um, my grandma's a little older. Uh-huh. Um, she looks at things a little different. She thinks a lot of it has to do with political things. Yeah, um, it seems with, pretty political. Yeah, it's a lot of political things. Um, me, man, I'm just... I'm her grandson, bro. I want to make sure she got the right water. Mm -hmm. She's like, yo, I'm good. I get a bottle of water from the fire station every day. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, well, she's like, I get a case of water from the fire station every few days. How how do they bathe right now, though? Her, I think she's good. I don't think that. See, I don't have like a resource to somebody. My my the only people that I have in Michigan from my family mm-hmm. is my grandmother who's in Flint, Michigan, my father who's in Detroit, and my father's side of the family who's in Detroit. Mm-hmm. So they're not experiencing the Flint. So all I got is my grandma. You're right. So um, But she's staying positive about she's it. She's positive. Yeah. She's just she doesn't want me to stress. I want to send her water. I want to do all these things. She doesn't want me to do any of those things. She wants me to continue to focus on helping my brothers be better um, versions of themselves. Uh-huh. And uh, that's just what it is right now. But I'm very aware that the shit is very serious, you know? Yeah, it seems all bad right now. There's, It's, so, it's very nuanced, uh, and I don't really understand all of it, but I just know that if I can, it seems... Like, if it was in a white community, something would have happened faster and that the politicians are ignoring it because it's in predominantly black communities, and that seems crazy. Yeah, let me tell you, bro. When I was um, in the eighth grade, my mom moved us from Vegas. Um, Somebody broke into our house. Some niggas was looking for my brother, my Mm -hmm. older brother. Mm -hmm. Um, And my mom moved us back to Flint. I was Mm -hmm. in eighth grade. Um, Mm -hmm. I had to start a new school in the middle of the year. And I remember going back to Flint, Michigan, and I remember um, the windows. I remember enrolling in school, going to school. The windows were broke. It was cold inside of the classrooms. Very Mm. different environment than what I was used to. Mm -hmm. Um, Metal detectors. uh, You know, real ghetto school. Uh, Flint, Michigan is a war zone. But I remember when I went to the bathroom, and I remember um, using the bathroom, and I remember going to the bathroom, and turning the water on and it going like the pipes were struggling wow and the water was like orange and at this even back then we were taken away from the detroit water right and the water was still bad in certain areas it was still not healthy water in certain areas wow so this has like been an ongoing thing ongoing thing and i and as soon as they switched to that other that flint michigan river yeah that that's what did it. You know what I mean? Right. Now people are out there kind of dealing with it. Yeah, and you know we we just could pray for them. I want I want to do more. I was born in Flint, Michigan. I was raised in Vegas. I don't got I don't know a lot about Flint. Right, right. You know what I mean, all I know is my grandma and my right. grandfather. My grandfather passed away a few years ago. You know what I'm saying? That's all I know. Right. Other than that, I grew up in Vegas. You know what I mean? That's what I know. That's where I'm, I was raised. That's where I'm from. Uh, how many brothers do you have? You mentioned your three. brothers. Three, three brothers, three. all older? Or are you the One older, two younger. Yeah. Yeah. How, yeah. how much younger and um, how much older? Well, I, I got a brother that's seven years older than me. Uh-huh. I'm 25, uh-huh. so he's um yeah he's about to be 32. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a little brother that's 23, mm-hmm. and then I have my baby brother is 20. He'll be 21 in April. What are the What are the two younger ones doing? Um, just working. Yeah. Um, working, working. Yeah. You get them involved in your business at all? 
Nah, not too much. Not yeah. too much. Me and my little brother that's right under me, that's 23, uh-huh. um, KJ. Shout out we, KJ. Yeah, we used to be in a group called The Future. Right, right. The back in the day. You yeah, know yeah. I mean? We'll get into that. Off the rip. Off yeah. the rip. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you, were all of you guys born in Flint or, or were some of them born in Vegas? No, we were all born in Flint. All born in Flint. And what moved you guys to Vegas then? Moms. Yeah. Moms wanted to get us out of the, the scenery. You guys all have the same dad? That, no. No? No. Um, three different daddies. Three different um, dads. From my older brother, me, and then... My two, two younger, younger brothers ones. and my little sister. Okay. It's five of us total. Oh, five total. Four brothers, one sister. Okay. Um, my little brother, my two little brothers, and my little sister all have the same dad, and me and my older brother have different dads. Did your uh, Did your dad <laughs> move, with, or did their dad move with uh, your mom to Vegas too? No, um, we were actually living with my brother, my younger brothers and them dad in Michigan for a while. Yeah, and then we moved to. Um, can't remember where we moved. We moved somewhere, and it just not sure what happened with them. I'm not fully sure what it was. Uh-huh. Uh, I think they grew apart. My mom and uh, my little brothers, my sister's father. Um, yeah, and from there, just like my mom ended up moving to Vegas, Vegas, and that's what it was. And so it's the five of you and your mom in Vegas. Yeah. How did she? How did she keep uh, the roof over the head, the food on the table? What was she doing? Mom was just working, yeah. double jobs. Uh-huh. Um, um, I'm not sure what she was doing when we first got there. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a lot younger at the time. When we first moved to Vegas, we moved with my uncle, my uncle Danny and my auntie Andrea. Oh, so they lived out there already, so they she had already, family. That's what got us to Vegas. Because family was out there. Um, yeah, my yeah. uncle Danny and my auntie Andrea, and they had two kids, um, Darren and Collins, rest in peace to my cousin Darren. Uh, who was in a car accident, but they moved to Vegas, and my mom was, you know, my Uncle Danny is my mom's brother, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And he got married to Andrea, and, you know, he moved to Vegas, he was getting his life together, and you know what I mean? My mom is his little sister, he wanted his little sister to get get her life right. Right. She had all these goddamn kids, you know what I'm saying? Come out here, I'll help you, you know what I'm saying? Sort it out. Right. That's pretty much what happened, so we end up we ended up in Vegas real, yeah. Right, right. How yeah. was Vegas as a kid? Do you remember the move? I, I don't remember the move. I remember staying with my uncle and my auntie. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember the fallout between my uncle and my mom, which kind of led us to be on our own in Vegas. Mm. And um, Vegas was... Vegas was what it was, man. Like, I was a hooper growing up. Like, all I wanted to do was play basketball. That was my dedication. That's what kept me out of trouble. Yeah. In order to play basketball, you couldn't be in trouble. Couldn't be a gangbanger. Couldn't be selling drugs. Couldn't be fucking, you know, you couldn't have bad grades. Were you a point guard? Yeah, point guard. Yeah. Yeah, off the rip. My, my first year playing basketball, my sixth grade year, I didn't start. I did nothing. I was fucking third string. Seventh grade year it was a whole different ball game. You hit yeah, a little I mean, growth spurt or something? Not even a no. growth spurt, bro. I think just I just got better at my game. Yeah. Like I got better at my defense. I got better at my offense. I got right. better at my fucking um, le- leadership. Uh-huh. And uh, niggas believed in what you know what I was bringing to the table, and I was able to. 
I had confidence, more confidence in myself. Uh-huh. I just wasn't the sixth grader with the big ass jersey. Right, right. You know what I mean? Right. Just getting on the team with the big ass niggas who's been on the team for three years. Right. Uh, it was nerve wracking when you start something new, but you you you're known for doing it. You uh-huh. know what I mean? Right. Um. So, but basketball taught me structure. Right. I was going to I was going to say, um, you know, you, you just mentioned that your mom and uncle had a falling out. And so I would I would imagine that your uncle would have been like the direct male influence in your life, perhaps at the time. So if, if they lose contact, like who did you seek for for kind of like positive male role models? Well, my brother was the direct my older brother, who's like seven years older. Than right. Renzo, he was the direct um, influence on me. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm I'm the man I am because I learned from a lot of the mistakes that he made for himself. Right. Yeah, you know I mean, him being the oldest. Was he kind of do as I do as I say, not do as I do type of thing? Off the rip. Yeah. Off the rip. Yeah. He was definitely um, living and learning. He was the oldest. We didn't have a pops around. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, three daddies, three baby daddies for my mom, and nobody was around. Mm-hmm. We were raising ourselves. My mom was working all the time. I was going to say, working two jobs. Were you like latchkey kids? Like the like TV taking, like kind of uh, raising you or what? Streets, streets. We was, yeah, it was, we had cable. It wasn't really nothing on TV to watch, but the soap operas and shit, and right. Lord, Law and Order and shit. Right. Like we wouldn't learn nothing from that shit. Right. So the streets pretty much raised us. We were we raised each other. Like you, we criticized each other. We judged each other. We fucking were on each other heads. We were. A real like family, you know what I mean, who just kind of came down on each other's flaws and tried to make each other better. And but we didn't. It was just about keeping it real for us. And, right. you know, I'm just gonna be honest with you. It ain't about telling you this shit in the right way, the correct form, nigga. It ain't no correct form for us. Yeah. You know what I mean, so that's kind of how we. That's a household we kind of grew up. How, but, did you like grow up having to learn to cook for yourself at an early age and shit like that? Since mom's busy working. Yes and no. My older brother did a lot of the cooking. Yeah. And because he did a lot of the cooking when he wasn't around, a lot of cooking didn't get done. We fucking warm up the uh, cup of noodles and right. or warm up that hot pocket. Right. How was the neighborhood? Did the did like uh did your neighbors look out for like did other families look out for each other and shit like that? Neighborhood was a little weird, bro, cuz we stayed in a ghetto but not like a um, a, a motherfucking California Piru ghetto. Right. Like it's, it was like where motherfuckers just. It was black people working against black people mm. to me. Um, and you know the blacks beef a lot with the Mexicans, and um, that's just what it was. And a lot of people focused on the negatives that was going on, yeah, than the positives. So the neighborhood. The neighborhood felt just weird. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know a lot about, like, Vegas living, like, actual, you know, people that just stay in Vegas. Like, you always hear about the Vegas Strip and everybody going to party in Vegas and blah, 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 blah. Yes, sir. But, like, yeah, there's got to be people that live there to keep those businesses running. So, like, I mean, yeah, is, is there a lot of gang activity in Vegas? Is oh, there, yeah, there's yeah. gangs, there's cliques. Yeah. A lot of cliques. Yeah. Um, a lot of um, just niggas that's been through shit and just fucking feel some type of way about the world. And um, when I was growing up, we weren't really posting everything on social media. Right, that's a new thing. I feel like I'm kind of one of the last generations that was, even my generation now, we post everything on social media. Right. But 
when I was growing up, I just don't remember it being that way. And um, in my neighborhood, it was just kind of like if you weren't in a sport, niggas thought you were banging. Oh, right, right. And because, um, like, what else would you be doing? You uh-huh. know what I mean? That's just kind of how we was thinking yeah. or how people were thinking. And, um, yeah, everybody was just, everybody in Vegas just looking for a come up. You know what I mean? You that makes sense. Yeah. And when you're looking for a come up, if another nigga coming up more than you, you want to rob him. Let me get a little bit of what you got. You'll be good. You'll get it back. Right. And uh, we that's how we kind of work against each other. And so is your brother kind of getting involved in that stuff at a young age, or what, your oldest brother? Oh, my older brother did everything. Yeah. Yeah, my older brother, uh, you know, not to tell his business right, or totally, anything, totally. but, I mean, he spent, Allegedly. he spent a lot of time behind bars, mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately, you know. How's that for you as a kid, seeing your, your older brother and your influence and having to visit him in a jail? It... it, it it turned me into this positive nigga, bro. Right. Like, it made me not want to do a lot of the things he did. I can't thank him for making the mistakes. That's crazy, you right. know? But right. I can't deny that I learned so much from that nigga mistakes. Like, I can't deny that him making the mistakes that he made made me not make those mistakes who wouldn't you know that doesn't make me better than him right you know what i'm saying right. and it, it just simply if it was me in his position he would have learned from me right and he just happened to be the and had we had a father around he would have learned from him right and that's why you know it's it's just good for niggas to really um install that um that positive mindset in they in they in they soldiers in in they seeds uh-huh. because you never know how they might take on the world. I felt like my brother had to take on the world by, by himself, himself, right? By himself, yeah. Um, because my mom couldn't teach him how to be a man. She could give him that mama love and teach and and teach him how to treat a woman and teach him how and you know those things. Yeah. Because it's two sides of the shit. A mama could try to play that daddy role. Uh-huh. She can try, but there's going to be a time in in a man's life where he's going to realize that that daddy love wasn't there and even everything that the mom did isn't going to be enough and that doesn't take away from her. Right. But it just it's just the reality of uh, men. We need to know how to be men. Absolutely. And if we're taught that before we have to learn it the hard way, then it um, makes the path a little easier. It makes the path a little easier. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what, what about your dad? Did you keep in contact with him? You yeah. said he was in Detroit. You know, my pops, it's crazy, man. My pops went to jail when I was, my mom was fucking five months pregnant with me wow yeah i mean he got out when i was 20 years old get out so he just recently got out yeah man i'm I'm 25 now i met him wow i met him doing this rap shit i had a show in detroit um that must have been a trip 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 man being with funk volume um being signed to funk volume and being able to go out and like promote my shit I got to meet that nigga for the first time. Did he come? To, he came to the show. Came to the show. He must have been. He must have been like, wow. You know, it was nervous. It was a little nerve wracking for me because oh, at, I bet at twenty years old, I had been um, in my mind an adult for two years. I've been living by my. I made myself graduated. I graduate. I was living by myself. 
I was getting myself up. I was taking myself to school in night school. And when I graduated, I gave myself that credit, you know, because mm-hmm. I felt like I pushed myself um, after leaving my mom's house. And that's what it was. I pushed myself. And me and my pops, I felt like I knew myself. I felt like I knew who I was and what kind of nigga I was. Mm-hmm. And I was hoping he wasn't some cornbag ass nigga. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, you know, he did 20 years for a snitch. Mm. A snitch. Somebody who told on the operation took a bunch of niggas down to get his sentence reduced. Mm. And Pops turned out to be the realest of them all. Didn't tell. When I met him, we was smoking. That's where my first album came from, Smoke Out Conversations. Uh-huh. From smoking with him and conversating with him, getting to know him. Did, did he look like you? He looked like me. How's that? Size and everything. How did that feel? Weird. You, yeah. You had never met him before? You didn't go visit never. him at all? Wow. Never met him once. Wow. Never met him once. Wow. He was uh, Michigan. We moved to Vegas. Did it feel like looking just at an older version of yourself or what? Talking to him, it felt like talking to an older version of myself. Really? A little weirder, a little more paranoid. Like, yeah, I mean, I I, being in a cell that long will do that to you, yeah, I'm sure. I, I, I mean, you, it ain't me to the identical T, right. but it's me. Yeah. Like, talking to Pops, he got that. I see where I come from, where my, like... Um, exaggerated thought process come from or just wanting to it's probably really that a moment where you get to really analyze like nature versus nurture you know what i'm saying because even though he didn't bring you up you can still see those traits that you inherently have from him you know it's actually it as a parent makes me feel amazing a little bit because i feel like i have a lot of faith that my kids are going to take a lot of my positive traits because i pray for that Mm -hmm. and uh I feel like I took a lot of my pop's positive traits. He didn't have the... He wasn't able to raise me. And even now, our relationship is not where it would be if he did raise me because... I mean, that's something where it probably can never be, like, quote-unquote, normal. Normal, exactly. Like, he has to be... He has... We have to be homies because that's the only thing that I feel. Right. That's my father, though. Yeah. And I have no problem... You know, that's my father. Right. I I have the most love for him, but we gotta be homies. You dig what I'm saying? Right, and at the same time, you guys are both, like, well-established adults that, like, have their own lives, and so it becomes hard to even keep in contact with fucking friends when you're an adult, let alone like someone you just met five years ago. Nah, like, for you, real. You, you both probably have to put a lot of effort into staying each, in each other's lives, you know? Yeah, yeah, off the rip. Yeah, yeah. What did you think of the show? Yo, it's crazy. Love the show, man. Um, I think just hanging out with him, man, and him hanging out with me. Yeah. Getting to know each other that first time was like, that reassurance, like, yo, I'm I'm your son. I'm the seed that you put in the world. Right. I want you to see the energy that I'm putting back into the world. Right. You know what I mean? And I'm like, and for him to feel like, yo, I remember him mentioning one day how he just appreciated how I don't judge the fact that he did so much time. 
And I don't. I remember being fucking 11 years old, mad at him. Right. I don't know why I was mad at him, but it was the thing to do. Well, it, you know, anger is a coping mechanism for sadness. You feel me? Like that's, that's crazy. A, that's a cover. Crazy. And but I think the main thing was was the the um I would say the my mom struggling. Yeah. In front of me. It's hard to see that. By herself, um working two jobs and it's never not being enough. Not it's still having My mom's working two jobs and she's still trying to catch up. Right. And I'm just like, if she had a little help, if she had somebody who was playing that role that that was probably promised to her when she decided to have kids, mm-hmm. uh, she wouldn't have to feel this way. I That made me, uh, that created some aggression. Yeah, I believe it. Some, uh, I would say some unnecessary aggression, some young nigga aggression. Right, right. I'm, I'm, I'm 25 right now. If I talk to a 12-year-old, who's mad about his pops not being around I, I mean I get it yeah. it's, it's, it's nothing really you can say about that but yo it's not a that's not a void that can be filled with a conversation not really yeah. oh yeah. man it's just like yo make sure you take care of your moms right be that man for your mom so your mom's got somebody that she can trust and believe in you know other than that like it's not much you can say right like so um yeah, man. Did any of your teachers, um, well, as a kid, before basketball starts giving you structure, right? And you're just like a young elementary student, probably getting yourself to school on your own and stuff like that. Uh, did any of your teachers take notice of your home home life and try to mentor you a little extra or anything like that? Um, there was one teacher, uh, my history teacher, who was a big Pittsburgh um, Steelers fan. Hey, shout out to Pittsburgh Steelers. My dad, that's my dad's hometown. Word, word, yeah. word. Yeah, man, uh, he was he was super cool, and he just um he just kind of yeah, I mean peeped the the positivity but he peeped the angry days and and he always wanted to pick up my brain and he wanted to know what it was and i started opening up to him more to a teacher more than um i opened up to anybody really and Mm -hmm. i feel like you know he always just told me to stay positive and that was my purpose he always just i remember him saying purpose my purpose a million times and I mean, it wasn't until I was going into high school where I was thinking about where you understand my, what a purpose is. My purpose, yeah. and uh, yeah, man. A lot of times I was turn, I was, I was able to turn negatives into positives. I didn't do a lot of complaining about my situation. Yeah, I mean, and it's that's like such a that seems like such a strong personality trait to be able to keep a positive mindset, and like even just talking. Uh, to people that that know you, they they emphasize that like, oh, Dizzy's right. such a good guy, real positive, you know, good vibes, etc. I mean, that's the name of the new tape, isn't it? Wisdom good, and good vibes. Yeah, yeah. there you yeah. go. I mean, it carried over. Um, did did uh, did you? Ex- I mean, here's the thing: listening to your raps, like you bars for days, obviously, and um, very well spoken and very well written. Uh, did you excel at school, even as a youth, or did you take to it, or did you did you did you hate it? Um, for a while I hated it. Um, I, well, I wouldn't say I hated it. I enjoyed it, um, to a certain extent. Um, 
I think, man, real the real life problems, watching my mom struggle over the bills. And I felt like at a super, super young age, I felt so a part of that. Like, I felt like I needed to focus on how to make money than, you know, finishing the homework and turning it in on time. Right, right. And that shit. Because I felt like right now, my mom is struggling right now. I don't got four years in college. I don't got fucking three years left of fucking How old are you having thoughts like that? I'm I'm ninth grade thinking this. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like, I don't got three more years of high school. I don't got four years after that of college to be able to help her. I need to make money now. She needs help now. You know what I'm saying? Shit is falling apart now. Right. And uh, my older brother was making mistakes after mistakes after mistakes. And it was hard for me to just... My mom had every reason to be upset because she like, nigga, you see what's going on. Me, I'm like, he don't got nobody to fucking guide him. Yeah. Me, I'm learning from this shit. That's the only reason I'm saying that shit. Right. Because I'm like, I'm looking at this nigga make every mistake in the world. Yeah. And I'm just like, man, if we had somebody that could just kind of give him a man perspective, I mean, it would be different. That's a very mature thought process to have at that time. And to not just, like, wallow in self-pity. You know what I mean? It's crazy, bro, to think that um, I felt like I was growing up super fast, super early um, because of the struggle. Right. Um, And, yeah, I think that that just, like, made me take school a little weird. It wasn't until the last year. I mean, I wouldn't say that. The year before that. Even my 10th grade year, my 10th grade year, I started inching at wanting to be a better me. Yeah. And then I think... Why? Did something happen that year? Or, like, was there... Did you read something that, I just like, didn't yeah. want to be a bum-ass yeah. nigga. I just right. didn't want to be... Like, I started feeling like not getting good grades and not being on top of your shit wasn't cool. Yeah. Like, all the niggas, but a lot of niggas skipped class and fucking did this and did that. You know what I mean? Didn't really have the best grades. Um, still found a way to be on a football team or whatever. It was the coolest niggas in the world. Right. You know what I mean? And But for me, I was just kind of like... Sip, skipping class, smoking weed... You know, all that shit, that shit's not cool, man. When you when you that age and all that shit, that shit's not cool. You know what I'm saying? I I just kind of started feeling like that. Yeah. By 11th grade, I was completely struggling. My mom, we lost our apartment. My mom was moving from here to here. She was, like, spending money on the wrong shit. Where were you staying? I was with her. I was going with her from hotel to hotel, oh, and then shit. we couldn't be in a hotel so we was just in our u-haul oh, man. and then from there she wanted to go back to flint and i was like bro i can't yeah, i can't I, go can't back to school i can't go back to flint yeah. i'm like you know i had already been there where i seen the water right <laughs> right all that shit man i was like yo i'm not going back to flint just because i don't feel like i'm gonna be able to Excel out there, you know what I'm saying. And you were, did you play basketball through high school too? Yeah, varsity shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so were you excelling at that as well? I was killing it. Right. Yeah. Even my senior year, man, I was playing. Um, 
I made the team. I had to quit the team because I didn't have enough credits. They told me you got to go to a night school uh-huh. get it, and get it done. Yeah. Or you won't be. You, you could play basketball and then you can do summer school and you could do a f- few classes when the next school semester starts. Yeah. And then you can go get your diploma. And I'm just like, yo, it's too hot to be doing summer school. Right. I ain't got no car. I'm probably not going to have no car for another few years. Right. You know what I'm saying? I'm the catching fucking a, Vegas heat. I'm catching a bus right now. This Vegas heat, I can't do it. Yeah. So, so what did you do? You quit the basketball team to like work twice as hard at school or what? Yeah. Yeah, yeah man. So then you graduate on time? I did, bro. That's solid. It was best feeling of my life, man. It was amazing, bro, because... But bittersweet, because you don't get to play ball. Bittersweet. There you I, go. And I don't get to... I didn't... Yeah, I got to watch TV now and be like, what if? Right. But And I was going to say, I was actually <laughs> going to ask, like, do you ever think, like, oh, if I would have played, maybe I would have got a basketball scholarship? But then I'm like... What's the what's the point of even thinking about that? Because how life is going now, like exactly, fuck, everything yeah. worked out how it's supposed to work out. Yeah, obviously, everything does. You know, but I, mean? I feel like, man, if you dedicate yourself to anything, it'll work. Absolutely, that's what I. That's why I try to tell these young niggas, man. hard work and dedication, like, baby. It, it don't matter what you do in life, like nigga. I could have dedicated myself to anything, and I would have made it work. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because that's. If you got faith and dedication and in the dedication that you put it into whatever you're doing, that shit, it's going to work, fam. Like, mm-hmm. this rap shit only worked because I was like, yo, I'm going to make this shit work because I believe in the shit that I'm saying and I see what the fuck is missing. Right. You know what I mean? And I got this, like, I got this world, nigga, that I've been living in and I feel like... <clears throat> Everybody been living in. Right. You know what I mean? Everybody got their set of problems. Everybody got their set of struggles or whatever, uh, trials and tribulations. I'm just like, man, I just got to be able to flow that shit and paint that picture, nigga, and make it vibey. And then, you know, we'll see where it goes. Right, right. Just keep strong character. That's it. Yeah. Um, Man, you got a good perspective, man. You got a good head on your shoulders, bro. Thank you, bro. Yeah. Thank you, man. I, I like it. I like it. it. It is definitely positive. I mean, there was times when you're telling me that story where I, and you're going like, oh, it's not cool to skip classes and smoke weed. I wanted to be like, if you are in high school listening to this, you fucking pay attention to <laughs> yeah. what Dizzy is saying right now. <laughs> what, you know what? what I mean? Let's go back a bit. You, you said you're in a, a rap group with your brother, The Future. Yeah. And you guys started young, huh? Yeah, we started young. Yeah, tell me about this, because I, I was reading about it. Like, I was just doing a little bit of research and read about that. Well, let me tell you. Let me tell you back before yeah. that. Yeah, go ahead. Um, me and my little brother, KJ, we went by Lil Ronnie and KJ. Okay. Um, And one day, my mom, my mom was in the music industry. She was um, a concert promoter. She was um, tour manager for Bone. She was thinking about publishing. This is the era that she was thinking about going into the publishing. And I remember we was watching something on TV. It was a, some Summer Jam shit. Yeah. Somebody was interviewing somebody from the Summer Jam, and I was watching that shit. I was like, I, I said something like I could do this. Uh-huh. My mom was like, where you think you could do this? Like, if you think you could do this i could set this up where you could do this okay well so let me slow you down for a second because now that brought up whole new questions for me your mom was tour managing bone 
Yeah. And Bone was obviously fucking huge. So I came up on Bone. I'm I'm probably I'm ten years older than you. So Where? they were like the biggest thing when I was in like when I was in tenth grade. Where? You know what I'm saying? And so they had to be on the road always. Yeah. So then if mom's gone being a tour manager, where are you at? Home. My auntie Cash. Oh. Never forget my auntie Cash who fucking so she, would she come out from Flint or where would she come from? Nah, my auntie Cash was in Vegas. Oh, she just came out to. She just lived in Vegas and she would watch she, you. My auntie Cash was from Chicago. Okay, she's from Chicago and yeah, she was in Vegas and you know I remember my auntie Cash so thoroughly. Uh, she rapped. Yeah, I mean she did. She was so cool. Yeah, I mean but. When we would get in trouble, she wouldn't whoop us. She'd make us do them fucking uh, basketball squats. Oh, yeah, like wall with squats. With their hands oh, out God. right next to the TV while she watched TV. We'd be looking at her. Yo, she had the craziest discipline in the fucking world. You just wanted to be an angel. Right, her. right. Yeah, you know I mean, she's like, like, yeah, do those squats till I get tired. Yo, <laughs> she was crazy. Um, but yeah, when my mom did her thing, that's Auntie was, Cash will watch you. Guys. Yeah, it was with my Auntie Cash. And somebody, uh, Lazy's your uncle. Yeah, like who is that? Your mom's brother or what? Not by no, blood. Just, oh, just like um, that's like Uncle Lazy. Not by blood. Yeah, my right. uncle Lazy. All right. them, man. I'm, them all my uncles. Right, like, right. You know what I mean, um, just by simple fact that they accepted my mom into yeah. Bone Thugs, the Mo Thug family. Right. And um. And yeah. so I mean, I would imagine when they're in Vegas, you're just like kicking it with bone as a kid like did you understand the levity of that at the time i didn't kick it with them as much as people think that i would kick it with them as a kid like i saw them right but i ain't kick it with them like that i was doing grown folk shit yeah right. i kick it with them more now as being a adult fucking smoking weed like my uncle leg called me he tell me to come through with the fire right i'm really like his nephew that be having a fire in vegas right. so i come to the hotel i shut it down right <laughs> yes <laughs> it's dope man because i experienced the, the bone thugs and they're older now you know what i mean but it's that shit doesn't take away from me because right. i feel like I'm seeing a lot of this shit so differently now than I ever imagined and just, you know, seeing them at the hotels. Because I felt like it was a lot of just popping up to the hotel, seeing them and fucking hugging them and fucking, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Just letting them know we was good and taking care of moms and moving along. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And now it's just like we have like adult conversations. We talk about the kids. Right. Talk about, you know, my cousin Jay Bone, where he had in life and a lot of shit. You know what I mean? So it's cool. Right. So she's doing tour uh she's doing uh tour management for them and you say I could do that when you see it on summer. Yo, yeah, I see this kid interviewing um whoever the fuck he was interviewing. I said I could do that. My mom had me and my brother create this this thing called JFK. It was just for kids, just for kids news. Oh, dog. We um she got us in the summer jam. 
I interviewed Boys the Men, fucking Saint Lunatics. What? Um, oh, so you said I could do this as in I could interview people. I could interview people. This wasn't oh. a musical thing. Oh, yeah. oh, My mom oh. was just in the music industry. Yeah. And she just this is how I was introduced to the music industry. Dude, your mom is an early adopter. That would have been like viral as fuck on YouTube. Crazy. You know what I mean? If YouTube would have been around back then, Yo, like, oh, cr- just for kids. Let it I be. felt like a you lot know? of shit she was doing would have been crazy for right. the internet. You right, know what I mean? But right. it was before the internet. Right. And um it was just crazy, man, because we just end up coming around to a studio. Wait, hold on. You guys went to Summer Jam in New York? In Vegas. Oh, in Vegas. There's in a Summer Vegas. Jam. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. Boys the Men, St. Lunatics. Yeah. Um, was it like for local news or something? Like who ended up like who ended up using the footage? Nobody. We kept the footage. We kept You guys just had it. We just had the footage. We just Dude, you got to put that on YouTube. Are you kidding me? You know what, man? I hate to tell you this bad news. We had a, we had a storage unit. <sighs> it caught on fire. Is that what you're about to tell me? Everything, motherfucker. That that would have been that would have been real like viral gold right Yo, there. Yo, I had a lot of fucking little basketball trophies that I won. It wasn't like real gold or real like. Yeah, I mean that official, but mm-hmm. there were trophies, bro. Right, right. There were trophies that was given to me. Go. Right. When was that? This was a uh, man. I was fucking thirteen. Oh, that's a that's a downer. Yeah. Um. So you guys went to the studio, JFK. What were you about to? Say? You were about to tell me a story. And I yeah, man. You. This is the whole how the music yeah. started. My yeah. mom. I was in the studio with her randomly, and she. My mom asked me if she wrote a song for us. Will we rap it? Yeah. And I was like, shit. If it was dope. Like, if it, if it was... You're like, if you have bars, Mom, I'm sure. I'm like, if it's cool, yeah, I'll write it. And she's just like, my mom just had the most enthusiasm. Like, she was so, like, pumped about being, making us these stars, but only if we could handle it. Right. And I'm just like, yo... I can handle being a star. I was just, like, just like, yo, if the bars are dope, let's do it. You know what I'm saying? Whatever. Were you guys in the studio because, like, Bone was in town and she was in the nah, studio with them? Or why were you guys in the studio? I don't know how she yeah. knew the producer. Yeah. I used to know his name off the back of my hand. But yeah. I don't know how she knew the producer. But it was just this producer that she knew. I don't know what his affiliation was to. In Vegas in the uh, early 90s? Oh, was it Suge Knight? No, <laughs> nah. <laughs> nah, it was this dark skin brother, man. Yeah, it was yeah. chunky, man. Like a chunkier. Uh, he looked like Bobby Brown, but back then, but before Bobby Brown looked like what he looked like right now. So he had the Gumby cut or what? Yeah, he was like one of them niggas. Uh, he was cool, though, man. We did a song called Who You Rolling With. My mom wrote it. Yeah. I rapped that shit with pride. Was this like around the time that, well, no, you? I'm thinking how much younger than me you are. I mean, Chris Cross must have already come and go in another back issue. Was there, yeah, was yeah, there yeah, other yeah, kid yeah. rappers at the time? Bow Wow. Oh, Bow Wow. Okay, Bow Wow, okay. Lil Romeo. That was the contemporary. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so that shit was cracking at the time cracking yeah i feel like every every 10 years or so some new like little kid rappers get really popular yeah we're about due for one i feel like you know it's almost it's, time it's gotta be soon it's, it's almost gotta time. be soon yeah my mom wanted me and my brother to be like the rap duo though yeah she wanted us to be and we had it man we had the long hair the braids we were fucking right we were fitting right in just following the wave right um it just got a little unreal how so uh just because <laughs> 
when I actually kind of started liking the rapping, yeah. When I was, because at first I didn't really care for it. I was just doing it because I mean, my mom had a lot of enthusiasm behind it. She had a lot of faith in it. Yeah, I love my mom, bro. Like, um, and. If she thought it was gonna make a little money, I was gonna out. say even in the back of your head back then, you must have known like if it cracks off, then we'll be more comfortable. Yeah, you know? I, I knew for at this yeah. time off the rip, I knew yeah. by eight years old that we were poor. Right, right. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I mean, by ten years old we was living in a shelter. So by eleven, being back in apartment, I was appreciative uh-huh. to be squished into our own apartment instead of sharing a building with. About 20 training? other people yeah. um, we don't know so I mean at this time I'm like if it's gonna make a dollar then fuck it you yeah. know what I'm saying yeah. I, I don't know how to fucking rap right yeah I mean um, but during that whole process I started writing my thoughts out but just as like poetry I was you know just on my kind of like Def Jam poetry shit right and um, I wasn't really too focused on rhyming and but then I it just kind of start rhyming a little bit every other line, line as a poet that's kind of how it starts right every other line starts rhyming and then you start putting them lines together and then that's how you kind of start flowing your shit right you know what I'm saying and um I started wanting to paint the picture of what I was really going through other than just rapping with my mom just thought a kid should be saying right like uh, what kind of shit was she writing do you remember super super duper positive shit yeah which is funny because now I'm this positive ass nigga You're right right rubbed um, off you know um I'm positive in my own way, though, you know, because I'm speaking from I'm I'm being positive off of my experience, not my mama experience. Uh-huh. But she was just speaking on what a kid should be talking about at fucking 10. Right. And I was just like, yo. My friends wouldn't even understand, wouldn't even get me saying that right now, especially with the conversations we have at lunch. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, yo, right. I have deeper conversations at lunch right. than the shit that I'm saying and the music you're writing. And I don't think my mom was understanding that I was fucking having these type of conversations at this age. Right. But that's the shit that I wanted to talk about. And because I wanted to start talking about that and because she was so used to and because she was so she has so much faith in knowing what a kid my age should be talking about uh-huh. what parents would respect what kids should hear right she's thinking like marketability to like soccer moms yo and shit. off the rip she's yeah. like the mom the moms are gonna think this is amazing right right the fathers are gonna think all their yo, kids should like, listen to like, this like she she was crushing the early kids bop yeah uh, yo, that's what it was that's what it was <laughs> i'm telling you your mom's like 10 years too early for yo, sure man. she is yeah. man and for me man i was just like yo this is not where I'm at or what I'm thinking or this is not even the reality that I'm living in right now. Yeah, you're like, Mom, can we talk more about lyrical, spiritual miracles, please? Please, <laughs> please. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I'm just like, at, at the, how I really was thinking, bro, yeah. is like you work two jobs, you're never even home. 
Right. You don't know nothing about nothing. Right. You work two jobs. You get up early as fucking. You get home late as fucking. You go straight to sleep every fucking day all year. You don't know shit that's going on in these streets. You don't know shit that I'm seeing. You don't know shit that I'm going through. You don't know shit that I'm dealing with. That's what it was. That's how I was feeling. And I'm like, that's the shit that I want to talk about. That's even at 10 or 11. By this time, I'm 12. 12. I'm I mean, 12, I'm 7th grade, yeah. um, I, I think I'm growner than what the fuck I am. Right. But I am dealing with fucking the streets. Like I real am, shit, yeah. I am fucking, you know. Well, that's an age where you're already, you're, at 12, you're already like pretty independent. You're like fucking kissing girls. And exactly. Trying to, you know what I mean? Doing yeah. shit. Like, you're, at you're 10, out there. At 10 is just when I, I just started looking at everything different. Right. It was that slow. It was kind of like me trying to edge out of the shit of yeah. me. I didn't want to hurt my mom's feelings. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean. You, you didn't want to be like, mom, these bars are whack. I'm not feeling these bars. These b-. And it wasn't even the bars. It was <laughs> whack. Mom got her little funny bars at yeah. work right. for a nigga it, it, back in 1983. Right, right. Early January. <laughs> <laughs> the exact date. Oh, yeah, I mean, that shit would have been fly as fuck right. coming from her. You know what I'm saying? But being motherfucking uh, 2001, uh, with everything just changing in my life and just... And, and, and that's at that age, too, where you're really developing your own music taste, too. At 12, 13, you're, like, you're probably listening in 2001, like... Jay Z, yeah, man. Like who? Who else cracked? Like Fifty was starting to crack around. Fifty, that. Fifty was super big. Yeah, man. every everybody, even Ja Rule was ja, big. Oh before. yeah, Ja, he was like uh, people like he's gotten written out of the history books, but he like ruled two summers of the radio. He pretty did, much. man. You know what I mean? Like and he was everything. Fifty, yeah. yeah. G Unit fucking was huge, man. Right, fucking. right. A lot of niggas held it down and. Yeah, so you're man. starting to get your own taste, and you're like, I, I, this is, you know, mom, it's not working out as my A&R here, and so you start writing your own bars? Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, I started writing my own bars, and I, and as I was trying to get into the music industry, my mom, it's crazy, bro, because I feel like my mom prepared me for this industry more than she will ever know. Right. Because she prepared me for the ultimate worst of what it could be. Yeah, I mean, and I think she was just trying to prepare me. Right. But she was preparing me for the ultimate of, she was preparing me for the way that it should never fucking be. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, she was just, the way she was telling me it was, and that's the way that it was, made me hate the industry. It, she, it sounds like she was doing work in the industry at the time where it was like peak rappers were getting taken advantage of, getting peak. horrible deals. Yo, and I'm telling you, and that's what she, she thought that that's what you had to be to get those deals, even though they were fucking everybody over. Right. And yo, that shit made me resent her. Well, and th- dude, think about the context of it because who signed Bone? Easy E. Who signed Easy E? Jerry Heller. Jerry Heller, like everybody saw fucking NWA this year. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Jerry Heller has been infamous as as having taken advantage of, yeah. of NWA, and and that's who Easy learned the business from. So yeah. I'm sure that I mean I don't know off top, but I'm sure like Bone had to go su- through some crazy str- shit at at different times. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Anyway, um, so she taught you. So you're hearing all the 
all the results of that stuff from her basically like yo the industry's fucked this and that here's what can happen you know what no no i was hearing that this is how the industry is this is how you gotta be um you know, yeah. there's certain people you can't hold your peace sign up with. There's certain people you can't be this way with. There's certain people you can't be this way with. And because this might be gang related or this might be this. And right. she, she was preparing me in this so unreal way be, because I was still trying to find out me. I was still trying to find out who I was. And just like I was young, but I was starting to become who I was going to be regardless. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know what I mean? And she was trying to just make me into this professional, this fake professional. Right. Who didn't agree with everything that he was doing, but that's what you had to do. Like to, she's thinking about image and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, image. And you, this is what you have to do to be this, to be looked at like this. and. Right. With the way that we were struggling, it was hard for me to even give a fuck about that shit. You know what I'm saying? And it made me upset with my mom that she thought that that was the way to be. You know what I'm saying? So it made me have a lot of problems with her after that. Growing up, just like... And then it just got to a point where it was like, I didn't want a manager. I wanted a mom. Uh, I don't want you to be telling me all the, all the times how to be professional. Okay, so, so it got kind of like stage mommy for a while. Oh, it got super stage mommy, yeah. bro. Yeah. It just got over the top. So then that's when I decided I'm just going to cut it all off. And you just quit? I was like, I quit. Huh. How I, did that go? It just went bad. But, I mean, I was like, I quit. You know I mean, I'm just like, I'm, I'm, I'm cool off of... Um, rapping or whatever you call this or whatever. Like I just want to play basketball and be Yeah, a kid. I'm going to play basketball. I'm going I'm to whatever. I'm going to go to school. I'm going to whatever. And then right after that, we just started struggling. I'm just like, yo, this is an on, a ongoing problem. Well, so at that time before you quit, were you guys having like industry meetings and shit like that? Were you guys having to like go to LA and talk to labels or anything like that? Man. Or was it just kind of like she's teaching you for that to inevitably happen? Things were happening, but they weren't weak. My mom was a publicist, uh, and what publicists do is make you sound like you're doing way more than what you're doing. Right, totally. <laughs> I, yeah, I get it. Uh, you know, yeah, that, um, right. that's true. But my mom knew how to make me and my brother sound way better. That's a like, that's a funny thing. That's a funny way to like. That's the most concise way to talk about what a publicist does for sure. Yeah, that's publicists big you up, man, and that's and that's an awesome job because yeah. how else will people look at you like a star? Right, totally. Yeah, you gotta man. have somebody else talking for you. You gotta have somebody else because uh, you're talking about yourself. Looks yeah, like what preaching your praises. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, if you're if you send an email and you sign it at the bottom, going like, look at all this shit that I'm doing. People go like, man, you are thirsty as fuck. Yo, if like, somebody yeah. else is doing that for you, they're like, damn, you're cracking. Yeah, you know? if, yeah. Like, yeah. When people see you have, when people see somebody else have faith in you, they they tend to. Um, leech on to that yeah yeah my mom knew how to make us sound really good and she got us in some good positions by making us sound good right um, were you guys playing shows in vegas and shit it wasn't a, wasn't a lot of shows to play there's still kind of not a lot of shows to play in no vegas, huh? no sir yeah yeah like but we played a few shows when we and we did what we were we did what we did but um yeah, we had a lot of work to do, man. How, how how did it go? Okay, so when you tell your mom that you quit, 
uh, you don't want to rap no more. How does she take it? I think she was over it anyway. We there was a situation where what summer was this? Fucking two thousand five, maybe. Right. Uh, lazy, lazy bone yeah. wanted to start a new, like a baby bone thugs called right. Mighty Mo Thug Five. Uh huh. And it was me, my little brother, this kid named Three, his son J Bone, uh huh, and um, his cousin J Bone's cousin was his cousin's name, Chris. Can't remember his rap name, but his real name was Chris. We was gonna start a Mighty Mo Thug Five. They brought all of us to Arizona. Um, they wanted us to record some records. Lay was just telling my mom that you know he just wanted to try to work something out with you know Mighty Mo Thug Five and see what we could do. Right, just keep the Mo Thug family alive. You know what I'm saying? I went out there and and niggas got they put an Xbox in the house. Niggas got real distracted. So it was supposed to be like this rap boot camp or something. Like rap boot camp yeah. type shit. But I mean, really, they, but they're like, oh, man, they this... gave us a lot of freedom because they thought this is what we wanted to do. Yeah. And they expected us to be coming to the studio with shit to record. Right. And we kept coming to the studio and niggas was trying to write all night. Right. And shit wasn't really getting done. Yeah, you're like, oh, man, NBA 2K5 is in the next room. We got to go play. Yeah, man. Yeah. I, I'm going to be honest with you, man. I was super... I wanted that shit when we were there. You I wanted wa- it to work out? I wanted it, bro. Yeah. I wanted it to work out super bad. Did uh, anybody else? My little brother wanted it to work. He um, was coming with it when he wanted to. He was younger. Um, J-Bone was a little unfocused. Right. Uh, a lot of the other niggas were a little unfocused. At that point, um, could you feel like... Uh, I mean, obviously, you recognize in that situation, like, oh, I'm a little bit more serious about this than the other dudes, but could you also feel like, oh, perhaps uh, perhaps I have a little more like natural ability at this than some of the others? Like, were you already a good rapper is what I'm asking? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. I was... Because, um, I mean, that's the one thing. It's like, you're good at fucking... You're you're really good at rapping. You feel me? Man. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. And I, I I don't really comment people on their raps too easily because I'm a snob about it. But or, or. Yeah, you're very good at it. And so, even at that point, at like, what, you're like 15? Yeah. And already just barred out? What was the style like? Were you still kind of like fast rapping and doing extra... Quicker. Sub- yeah, a little yeah. quicker. A little quicker than what it was. Right. Um, I was good, man, because I I thought I was really good because I was writing all that shit. Um, I felt like when I started writing, the shit that I felt like was real, it was way over. Mm. Yeah, you know I mean, like telling your actual perspective. Other than just being able to rap some shit somebody wrote for you, right, right, right. My thing is, I've traveled the world enough to know that there's a lot of dope rappers in the world. It's a lot of you know, it's that engine behind you that makes you. A movement that makes you that's very true um super relatable or like followable uh-huh. or whatever i don't even know if that's a word marketable uh marketable yeah you know what i mean yeah. but it's 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 dope rappers on dope rappers all over the world and i was dope for my age and but i i didn't become dope like that to me till i was in high school and i was like I met one of the homies who had a home studio and for the first time in my life I was in I felt like I was in a studio without my mom. Right. 
And I was like, oh, shit. You felt the freedom. And I put it, you know what I mean? I had wrote a little verse to Nas, one mic. and Oh, yeah. Once I heard my voice on top of the beat, it, it was a rap. It was a rap from there. I was like, oh, man. Were a lot of your peers in Vegas rapping, or, or was it or was it kind of a rarity? Nah, no. Nobody was really rapping. I didn't even tell niggas I was a rapper. Right. Like, I was like, yo, niggas knew me as a hooper. Yeah. Like, niggas knew me as the nigga play. I played basketball. I didn't smoke weed. I didn't drink. I didn't fucking, like, hang out with niggas all in the streets. I was like, uh, really? I was cool with everybody, but I was to myself. Yeah, I was going to say, like, when you're cool with everybody, it's kind of because you're, you're like, essentially a loner. And you're not dedicating too much time to anybody. To anybody. Yeah, that's how it kind of was. And then, like I told you... um, at, around this time, it's just when the time when I had to, all I could do was play like basketball at the rec. Oh yeah, because you're off the team. And I wouldn't. I was doing school, literally all year, all day. And when I had time, I was just going to the rec and hooping with them. That was kind of my life for a super long time. At this time, I had like uh, MySpace started cracking. That MySpace is what I utilized first. I was gonna say that had to be like that was like your first thing, probably like first. as a generation. So, so you start putting up tracks on MySpace. Yeah, that one, that one mic that I called it One Life, but right. it was Nas One Mic. Yeah, um, all the little shit I was doing, I rapped over some Lupe Fiasco shit. Did you have a lot of friends? Did you get a lot of friends on yeah, Facebook? Yeah, end up getting a lot of. Fr- you know, it was crazy, bro, because a lot of people was fucking with my like shit, like off jump, my MySpace shit. It yeah. was a lot of niggas was like, cause I was telling it's like I'm just put, I'm not putting this shit up to try to be rapper of the year, or beat no motherfucking. Um, you know, no fucking jigga. Right. Yeah, you know I mean, I'm just this nigga got a studio. I fuck with this shit. Yeah. You know what I mean, but it was my homie Moski, who's my hype man, who performs with me now at every show still, who just kept telling me how dope that shit was, and it was like little niggas around my neighborhood who just was fucking with that shit, and I'm just like, so you became like a little local hero, kind of, kind of like. Hey, that's that's like, key though. That's essential. Very small neighborhood hero first. But you know what? Sometimes those are the hardest ones to like get to get you or to get to believe. You know what I mean? Like exactly. to get the kids that grew up with you to not be like, oh, pfft, whatever. For you're rapping now, okay. If they would have been like that, I would have never did it. You know what I'm saying? I'm well, telling you because I didn't. Once I didn't, those kids that are close to you are down with it and are like, yo, this shit is tight, then you're like, oh yeah, maybe I, maybe it is tight. I'm like, where is yeah. this, y'all? y'all I'm like, because my thing was, I had that little message uh-huh. and all my shit. So I'm like, do y'all fuck with the beat, the message, or the flow? Uh-huh. They like the message and the flow. Uh-huh. I'm like, word, okay, And that's cool. just what you needed to hear. I'm like, word, yeah. cool, shit. Maybe I'll just rap and put that little message in it and, and, and niggas fuck with it and shit. Now I could take care of my family off this shit. What were you going by back then? Yeah. I was going off uh, um, Dizzy D Flashy. Okay. And so then I feel like I was reading something about you win a contest or something. Like, when when does that happen? Yeah, that happened... Uh, later than that? No, no, no. That, yeah, yeah, that happened later than that. That uh-huh. was... Um, 
2012. Oh, that was like just that was just a little bit ago. That was like a blink ago. Yeah, that was when Funk Volume recognized me. So, well, so even before that, like uh, with One Life, that's catching on on MySpace, and like you become a little bit of a local hero. But at that point, you start playing shows around Vegas. If you could, like, were you were you hopping on open as an opening oh, act or yeah. shit like that? Yeah, yeah, dog, yeah, I was doing everything. I was hopping on all the little shit, mixtapes and selling mixtapes and shit. Or no? yeah, yeah, I wasn't selling no mixtapes. I was giving all my mixtapes away for free. Yeah. I was uh, making an investment. As soon as I started believing in my little message, I was like, yo, long as niggas know that I'm taking this serious and that, you know, I am who I say I am, you know what I mean? I'm going to be good. I'll make my money when I make my money. Right. You know what I mean? And I was just hustling up little money. I was throwing parties or whatever. And, you know what I mean, I had little bitches and shit who was investing in me. Nice and uh, and you had, did you had you moved out already at this point? Yeah, I've been out for a minute. Yeah, at this time I've been I moved out when I was seventeen, uh, November first. So were you paying rent somewhere? Yeah. How, I, how did you have jobs? Yeah, I had a job. I was throwing um, parties. Oh, that was your job. Two parties a week. Two parties um, a month. Like promoting every other week. Yep. Nice. Uh, it was this club called Club Frozen. They gave me two nights out of the month. Oh, how did they know that you would be able to get it cracking? I told it was it's this dude named Sam who owns the club. Um, you know, you know how I really think they knew I would be able to get it cracking was my DJ DJ Fame. Uh-huh. Um, he played. He's the first DJ to ever play my music in the club back in two thousand and nine. Uh huh. And just it was the first time I ever seen a crowd react to my shit. How's that? And. Uh, Amazing, yeah. yeah I mean, it's like, it, that's that feeling that you chase the rest when of the they time. turned up. I was like, Yeah, this is the kind of music I want to make, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so you have the job, you get it cracking, and then you enter hey. a contest, and then yeah, yeah well, man, yeah. I had this little fucking job, um, right. promoting these parties or whatever. Yeah, that's how I fucking paid my rent. Yeah, that's how I, um, I made about uh. Close to two racks off of each party. That's a good. That's a good pay as an eighteen-year-old. Come on now. That's crushing. I mean, Yo, that's crushing for a thirty-year-old. And my rent, yeah. no utilities, uh-huh. five hundred dollars. Wow. So you were like, you were stacking bread. Stacking bread. Yeah, so that's good. I was trying to stay above the game. Did you invest? Started investing in your own equipment so you could record at home or what? Nope. No. Nope. I was fucking investing in this twenty-five dollar hour studio. Yeah. I got fucking. Uh, six hours for fucking one hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah, and I could record ten songs in six hours. Wow, killing it! <laughs> like yo, I, that's kind of what I spend my money on. Yeah, uh, studio time and shit like that. Yeah. Now I make sure I have my thirty day bus pass all the time. There you go. And uh, yeah, and then there was this competition that was at uh one of the malls in Vegas. Chic Music and Def Jam did this competition where they went to like. Seven different cities, seven different states, and picked two people from every state. Yeah. And they brought everybody to California. Well, when it came to Vegas, they picked me in Vegas. And then when it came to Cali, when we went to Cali, it was like 14 of us. I won all that shit. Oh, shit. Like, I beat everybody. And uh, Funk Volume seen me at the finals of that shit. Uh-huh. And um, y- you want to deal with... Def Jam, a single deal with Def Jam, 
Um, I didn't know it was a single deal, but I wanted to know what the deal was before I sign anything. Talk to anybody oh, else. Right, I'm right. like, yo, I just won this fucking. I just won this competition. I want to see what Def Jam's talking about. Right. And Def Jam, I swear to God, I promise you not. They wanted um, like a little kid Cuddy. Oh, okay. They were looking for that. They were looking for a little kid Cuddy. And, and my thing was nothing that I recorded sounded like Kid Cudi. Right. And I knew that they didn't give no, no fucks about, you know, the type of artist I was. Right. They was just going to try to turn me into whatever they wanted me to be. So I turned it down or whatever. And then that's how I ended up um, being with Funk Volume. Yeah. Well, I feel like um, something that you mentioned earlier kind of ties into that um interestingly and i don't know if you've ever if you've ever thought about it before but uh when you were saying earlier like yeah you know i fucking did it myself i put myself through high school i didn't have anybody showing me the way i wanted to do it on my own and then i did i'm the reason that i graduated and that kind of reminds me of like your play through the industry it's been very distinctly independent yeah. and like you know what i mean like you you avoided the major labels and you've and you you've done it with your team and with yourself and and I only did that because of my mom, bro. Yeah, because yeah. my mom showed me that super main industry way of doing things, and I didn't want it. So as soon as I started doing things my way and I caught some momentum, yeah. when they came my way, I was like, yo, I'm cool. Right. I'm going to just try to do it this way. I didn't know the roots. I didn't know the way. I was just right. like, yo, I'm just going to try to do it this way. Yeah. And that's what it was. Well, shit, man, this is really dope. And if you guys ever have more time in the future, maybe like in a couple years when another project comes out or something, we'll do it again because this, this is this is real cool. Absolutely. Um, you have a project coming out on February fifth. Yeah. Right? Uh, Wisdom and good vibes. Yes, sir. And it's gonna be on all the. I'm sure it's gonna be on all the digital platforms, right? Yeah. All right. So, where can the people find you online? Um, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Just search My, for Dizzy, right? Yeah, Dizzy, right on Twitter and Facebook, yeah. YouTube to check out the music. Um, Dizzy Hippie on Instagram. Yeah, and honestly, the shit's so cracking right now that like you're one of those dudes you can just Google Dizzy right, and all the shit will come up. And yeah, everybody it should can, pop up. For everybody you. will find you very easily. Or, yeah, man, thank you. I look forward to hearing the new projects, and I uh, appreciate you, you guys taking time out of this. this Every time, bro. Yeah, most love. definitely. Uh, my name is Lee. Some of you guys might know me as Intuition. You can follow me on Twitter at It's Intuition. Follow my man behind the boards making the shit sound buttery, Ben Shim, at I Am Database, based with two S's. Follow us as a unit on Twitter at Kinda Neat, Facebook.com slash Kinda Neat, YouTube.com slash Kinda Neat, where you're going to see Dizzy Wright kill the u67 mike and uh download that podcast app search for kind of neat and subscribe 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 other than that i think we did what we came what we set out to do that was dizzy i'm lee and this was kind of neat subscribe motherfucker <laughs> they listen to that man